All right, so I don't know if you guys have seen this game show. It's called Zoomed In, and it's something that The Tonight Show does. We actually did this at our staff Christmas party last year, so none of you guys that were there are allowed to guess until everybody else has a fair chance, okay? So here's how this works. An image is going to come up on the screen. It's going to be zoomed in on an item, and I need you guys, if you weren't at the all-staff party, to try to guess what that zoomed in item is, all right? So let's do the first one. Here it is. Anybody know? Cheese? No? 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 All right, if you're at the All-Staff, anybody remember what that was? Wow. Now we know that the morning services are much more astute. Okay. Uh, anybody got this? Not SpongeBob. All right. What? Oh, man. All right, Chris, let's just do this. French fries. Come on, people. All right. All right, next one. Check this out. Look at this one. All right, let's check it out. I heard somebody say it. All right, good job. All right, next one. Joey Lucci, not allowed to guess. No. What? Darth Vader, baby. Yeah. Good job. We have no prize for you, by the way, Paul. So, good job. All right. This is the last one we're going to do today. And it's not me, by the way. Chuck Norris. Wow. An overwhelming response. Give yourselves a hand. Give yourselves a hand. Good job. Good job. Good job. All right. So, here's the deal. I don't know about you, but that game kind of illustrates for us where we're headed in this series. Illustrates for us that when we are really zoomed in, it's hard to see the big picture. It's hard to decipher what's actually going on. And here in our country right now, we are zoomed in on this election, right? We are, I mean, it is front and center, it is everywhere. And when we're zoomed in on it, it's hard to see the big picture. It's hard to see anything more than maybe what we're feeling. It's hard to see what the other side's feeling. It's hard to see what somebody we're in a conversation with might be feeling. And it's really hard to see what God is up to. And so tonight, I want to talk with you about zooming out, getting maybe a little bit of distance from the emotion and the passion and some of the things that we've been involved with this past week concerning the election, and talk about this zoomed out view that we can have. Uh, Politics is tricky, and um, some interesting things have been said about politics. Um, Somebody once said, George Washington is the only president who didn't blame the previous administration for his troubles. Uh, Mark Twain said, if voting made any difference, they wouldn't let us do it. So there's a lot of passion and opinion about uh, politics, and especially the election. And the election has happened, and here's what happened. Back in October, I wrote today's message. And I did it on purpose, because I didn't want to know who won when I wrote this. I wanted to be able to preach this message, uncertain of who was going to be our president-elect. And so I wrote this message, and I was going to preach this message, whether Hillary got elected, Donald got elected, Gary got elected, Mickey Mouse got elected, whoever got elected, I was going to be preaching this exact message, okay? So what I'm going to talk about tonight is not politically biased one way or another, and I just want you to know, too, that everything I say tonight, okay, should affect not only our attitude toward the incoming president, but our current one. Okay, so if you're like, well, this guy's all about Republicans. Well, let's talk about Democrats, too. Let's talk about the attitude that we should have toward both our current Democratic president and our future Republican president. That's everything we're talking about tonight hits both of those. And here's what I knew. I knew that you coming in the room tonight, we were going to have a mixed bag. We were going to have some of you that were really happy with how things went down on Tuesday. Then we were going to have a bunch uh, more of you who are really unhappy with how things went down on Tuesday. And either way, no matter where you find yourself, no matter where your parents might find themselves, your coworkers, the people you go to school with, I want you to know that the message 
hopefully is going to give you peace tonight, and it's also going to teach us what to do now. How do we go forward? How do we move forward? Now, there's a third category of us in the room, okay? Some of us are really unhappy. Some of us are very happy. But there's a third category, and it's those of us who are uneasy. We're uneasy. Because if we're honest, when we went to the polls Tuesday, we wished that there was different person maybe in the Republican Party to vote for, and maybe a different person to vote for in the Democratic Party, and we kind of felt stuck, and we had to choose almost between the lesser of two evils, and we feel really uneasy about where our country is headed and and what will happen next. And so we have sort of these three categories of people here in the room tonight, and I hope to encourage you all, and I hope that, you know, we just zoom out, because here's what happened. Here's what happens. When we're zoomed in on what's going on in our country right now, it's easy for those of us who are unhappy or uneasy to say, God, what are you doing? God, what is going on? Why why are you allowing things to go this way? And so tonight we want to kind of zoom out. You see, when we're zoomed in, I think we're tempted to do a few different things. We're tempted to be fearful, right? We're tempted to just to ask questions like, what if we go to war? Or what if the economy tanks? Or what if certain rights are taken away? So we get fearful. Some of us, I think, we panic, right? I, I don't know about you guys. I heard a lot of people saying, if so-and-so wins the election, I'm leaving the country, right? A lot of people were making those claims. If so-and-so wins, I'm heading north. If so-and-so wins, I'm heading south. Well, that's fine. You want to head north and freeze to death? Enjoy that, right? You want to move to Australia and get eaten whole by a spider the size of a Volkswagen? Enjoy that. Go for it, right? I'm not stopping you. No, no, neither of those are the option, right? Neither of those things is what we should do. We're not supposed to run in panic, in fear, right? The other thing I think some of us are tempted to do is just take things into our own hands, right? So it's like, all right, God, if you're not going to deal with this and you're not going to stop this, then I'm just going to be as loud as I can be about how unhappy or uneasy I am about the current situation. And let me remind you, this isn't just about Donald Trump and where we're headed. This is also about our current president. If we're honest, several of us have spent two terms being really loud about how unhappy we are with our current president. And that's off as well. And so tonight, we got to continue to talk about these other options. If it's not being loud, if it's not being all in everybody's face, then what is it about? And as I shared with you guys a few months ago as we were heading into election season, we have to be so careful as followers of Jesus. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, then our main goal is to draw people to Jesus, not to our political party, right? And when we are so loud about our politics, people miss Jesus, they don't see him in our lives. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later. I think the last thing that we're tempted to do is to become defiant, right? I've heard people say, "This is I will never call this man my president. And I'm sure there are people that have refused to call Obama their president. That's off. That's not right. Some people saying, you know what, I I refuse to obey this president. Or or I'm just going to do everything I can, man. I'm going to be making anti-so-and-so bumper stickers and T-shirts. I'm going to rent a billboard. And I'm going to put my face on this side and his face on that side and say, this guy's mad that this guy got elected. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to just be defiant. And I'm telling you, none of these things are the answer. Panicking, fear, taking things into our own hands, or being defiant. So what is the answer. What do we do? I want to tell you tonight what we do. And I'm not just going to talk to the people who are unhappy or uneasy. I'm also going to talk to the people who are happy. And we're all going to move in the same direction. We're all going to do the same thing as we walk out of here tonight. And I just pray that it brings peace and it brings unity, man, because things are crazy right now. 
You go on Facebook, maybe let's just not go on Facebook for a while, right? I mean, people are at each other. Christians are at each other. Non-Christians are at Christians. Non-Christians are at each other. Christians are at non-Christians. It's just crazy. I talked with a guy after the 930 service who works in the media. He said that even on Friday when he went into the office, people were still freaking out about what's going on in our country. And I'm telling you, the answer is not to be loud. The answer is to be loud about Jesus but the answer is not to be loud about our politics. And so we're going to look tonight at what to do. And if politics weren't enough to get me in trouble here tonight, we're going to look at some other things that are a little bit challenging, but I'm telling you, I think if we can wrap ourselves around these truths tonight and walk out of here and live this out, peace is possible, unity is possible, and our country can continue to grow and see God do great things. We're zooming out here tonight. So let's zoom out, look at Romans 13, and we're going to look at the second half of verse 1, and we're going to backtrack to the beginning of verse 1. Second half of verse 1 says this, For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist, exist have been established by God. So Paul starts out by saying basically the same thing twice, right? He just says it two different ways. The authorities that are an establishment have been put there by God. And so I think what this shows us is that God was sovereign over what happened on Tuesday. Now, what does that word sovereign mean? Let's check this out. You can check out on the screens. Sovereign means all things are under God's rule and control and that nothing happens without his direction or permission. So we're zooming out tonight. We're not just zooming out a little bit to look at it from, you know, a different perspective. No, we're going to zoom out and look at it from God's perspective, that God is sovereign over what happened Tuesday. Now, this is where, again, I'm, I'm getting in trouble tonight for talking about politics. Now I'm going to get in trouble for talking about God's sovereignty. But let's talk about this for a second. This is so important because some of us are asking a really important question right now. We're saying, wait a minute, Doug. Did I make a free choice on Tuesday and vote for who I voted for? Or is God sovereign and in control of it all? And the answer is yes. You made a choice on Tuesday. You, you exercised your free will. And God is sovereign. How does that work? I have no idea. But we're going to talk a little bit more about it here. Tim Keller has some great thoughts on this. He says this, We believe either we have free will and we're responsible for our choices, and our choices matter, or something has set and fixed the future, and then our choices don't matter. So he says, okay, this is how we believe as 2016 Westerners. We believe that either we were free on Tuesday, or God rigged the election. Now let's look at what Tim Keller continues to say. But in the Bible, it's never never either or. It's always this. You are free, and you are responsible, and your choices matter, and you're responsible for your choices, and no one is forcing you to make those choices. And yet, every single thing that has happened as a result of those choices is working out exactly according to the plan of God. It's not just that God foresees what you're going to do, but rather, what you do fits in with the course that he wants history to take. Now, that's a lot to take in, right? How does this happen? How is this possible? Tim Keller goes on a little bit. He says, you say, how can that be? Well, that's because you're a Westerner. You see, we, if we lived in the East, we would have woken up this morning going, I make free choices and God is sovereign. No issue with that. If we lived 100 or 200 years ago, we would have no issue with this. 2016 Western thinkers cannot figure this out. We, we are not okay with the fact that 
Both are true. But he goes on a little bit here. He says, and it's always either or. Why does it have to be either or? This is great. Isn't it possible that God can actually fix things and work things out and at the same time not violate your free will? Why can't God do that? You might think to yourself, well, how can I imagine I would do it? Or, or I'm sorry, I can't imagine how I would do it. Of course you can't, but you're underqualified for this job of God. Right? And so some of you may not like that answer. You might, again, you might be saying, I just don't see how that's possible. How can God do that? How can he give us a free will and still sovereignly rule and everything's working toward his plan? I don't know, but can I ask you a few questions? How did Jesus raise back from the dead after he had been crucified and been put in a tomb? I don't know, but he did it. How has God set many of us in this room free from drugs and alcohol? I don't know, but he did it. How has God healed many of the marriages in our church? I don't know, but he's done it. How has God healed many of our bodies here in this room? I don't know, but he's done it. How has God taken the anxiety and the fear out of many of our hearts? I don't know, but he's done it. How has joy and peace filled us that makes no sense even in the midst of hardship and people look at us and go, how are you holding it all together? I don't know, but I know that God's done all that. And so I can't tell you necessarily how or why you have a free will and God is sovereign, but I can tell you it's true. And I always like to encourage you guys that it's a good thing when there are times we can't figure everything out about God. Because if we could, then how much bigger is he than you and me? Like if I could grasp God in his entirety, he's not that much greater than I am. Now, we should have complete comfort in the fact that we have proof that Jesus rose back from the dead and he is God and all that. That's important. But there should be depths to God's goodness and power that we just simply can't grasp here and now. And that's what makes him so awesome. And so to start, I think we just need to say, okay, God, you're sovereign over what happened Tuesday. Yeah, I made a real choice. Yeah, America made a real choice. And yet, God, you are sovereign. You are in control You reigned over what happened on Tuesday. And that is great news. Some of you guys might feel like, yeah, but Doug, I don't like that God's sovereign. It makes me feel weird. Am I a robot? No, you're not a robot. What it means is our nation and your life is in much bigger hands than your own. This is great news that God is sovereign over all things. I just want to encourage you guys. God did not wake up Wednesday morning and go, what? Trump won? Right? He, he, it didn't happen. Right? First of all, he doesn't sleep. But secondly, right? What, Peter? I know you had something to do with this. Get in my office, Gabriel. You and I, we're going to figure this thing out. Peter's always messing stuff up. I know he screwed this election up again. Gosh, it's not what happened. Right? God was not taken by surprise like many of us in the room may have been. God was sovereign over what happened. So now we've zoomed out and we tackled sort of this huge, tough theological thing here. Now what do we do? Now what do we do? And you know what? To be honest, even if you don't agree with all the stuff I just said about God's sovereignty, the next few things are still what we do. Okay? So if you're here like going, Doug, I don't buy any of that sovereignty stuff. Okay. Well, you're wrong. But secondly, no, I'm just kidding. But, but here we still all make the next steps. Okay? So we're going to look at Romans 13, verse 1. We already looked at the second half of this verse. Let's look at the first half. Here's what we do. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Let everyone be subject to. Other translations say submit to the governing 
authorities. What does it look like to submit to governing authorities? Well, you thought my previous quote was tough. This one's even tougher. Check out what Tom Constable says. Subjection or submission involves placing oneself under the authority of another and doing or not doing what the authority requires. This is important. Paul did not say obey. Submission includes obedience, but it also includes an attitude from which the obedience springs. Submission involves an attitude of compliance and deference that is not necessarily present in obedience. Last line, super important. Submission is essentially support. Ouch. Remember, I'd be preaching this if Hillary won. This is our attitude toward Obama now. It should be. And it's going to be our attitude toward Donald Trump in the future. It should be, whether we think he's qualified or not, whether we think... He's respectable or not. Joey, our youth pastor, tweeted out something great this week. He said something like this. This wouldn't be the first time that God used the flawed and broken person, right? And so whether Donald Trump or Barack Obama are worthy of our respect and honor, we are to give it to them because God is sovereign over what has happened and who is ruling now and who will be ruling starting in January. Now, Some of you guys are like, Doug, I got to be honest. This is like really intense really quick. You know, like give me a few weeks or months to lick my wounds a little bit, sulk a little bit. It's been five days, Doug. You know why I'm getting this intense this quick? Because we're at each other, people. Culture is at each other. The church is at each other. And I'm going to tell you in a few minutes why we've got to knock this off quickly. Now, what does it mean to give support to Obama now and Trump in the future, what does that mean? And what does it not mean? Here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you agree with everything they say. It doesn't mean you agree with everything they do. It doesn't mean you can't voice their opinion. Here's what it means, though. When you voice your opinion, how do you do it? How do you do it? You do it with respect. You do it with honor. You you do it not angrily, but lovingly. Some of you guys have a great objection in your mind. And the objection is this. But what do we do when an administration or an administrator tells us to do something that we know God doesn't want us to do? Well, then we go Acts 5.29 on them. Okay? Here's what's going on in Acts 5.29. Peter, I made fun of him before. He actually got a lot of stuff right. And he's way cooler than me. But Peter is out. And he's preaching the gospel. And people are getting healed. And he gets arrested. Just imagine that conversation in prison. Like, oh, why, what are you in for? Somebody's like, murder. What are you in for? Oh, I stole all my boss's money. Uh, Peter, what are you into, uh, in for? Well, I was walking down the street telling people about Jesus. And, and the anointing of God was so powerful in my life that as I walked by people and the sun hit me, my shadow would fall on people and they'd get healed. And they arrested me for that. Yeah, so another story. But there's Peter. And Peter eventually is standing before the authorities that arrested him. And what are the authorities saying to him? Stop preaching. Stop telling people that Jesus rose back from the dead. Stop telling people we killed him and he's alive. Stop it. And what does he say? He goes Acts 5.29 on him. He says, I must obey God rather than men. And so if our government tells us stop preaching, stop sharing the love of Jesus, we go, we must obey God rather than men. But anything short of that, we say, okay, I don't get it. Maybe I don't even like it. I'm going to voice my opinion lovingly and respectfully, but I'm going to do what the government's called me to do. Now, why can we do this, and how can we do this? Well, we're going to find the answers out as we go here. Verse 2, consequently, whoever rebels against the authority, listen, this is so important, is rebelling against what God has instituted. That's why this is so important. So if we're rebelling against what Barack Obama right now and his administration is calling us to do, Anything short of 
doing something that's straight up against Scripture, then we're not only rebelling against them, we're actually rebelling against God. And the same will be true of Trump in January. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Now, for the sake of time, let's jump down to verse 4. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. Now, this, is, this isn't always clear to us, right? Sometimes it seems like the person in the chair behind the oval desk there in the office, I probably don't call it the oval desk. I think uh, the, the desk is rectangular and the office is oval. But there they are behind the rectangular desk in the oval office. They don't always necessarily seem like they're there as God's servant for our good. So how does this work? Well, here's what I need you to know. Even when people don't think they're serving God, they're serving God. Even people who would say, I'm no servant of God, God is using them to work his ultimate plan. Uh, Best example I could think of is Satan, right? I would say Satan would not call himself a servant of God. Right? I mean, he's distanced himself from that label pretty far with all the Prince of Darkness stuff, right? <laughs> and so think about Satan would never say, I'm a servant of God. And yet think about this. This is so powerful. Think about this. He's inspiring men to dra- drive nails through the hands of the Son of God. And they put him on a cross and in a tomb. And what is Satan thinking? I won. And God's going, give me 72 hours. I won. Satan, you were just my servant in bringing about my plan of salvation to the world. You see, God knows that without a crucifixion, there's no resurrection. And without a crucifixion and a resurrection, there is no salvation. And you know what I can guarantee you? Well, I guess I can't guarantee this, but I would guess that at least once a month, Satan pulls somebody aside and says, I can't believe I fell for that. I can't believe I let God use me to crucify his son so he could redeem all these people. That was the exact opposite of my goal. And so here's somebody who is saying, I'm no servant of God, being used by God to literally usher in our Savior, as King and as God. So what I'm saying here is that though Trump might not, may or may not call himself a follower of God, Barack Obama may or may not call himself a follower of God or a servant of God, he's there, these are men that are going to be used by God as he ushers in his plan in our country. The next part says, But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They're God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. That's sort of like a scary, intimidating verse. But look at verse 5. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. So Paul is saying to the people in Rome, hey, don't just do the right thing because you're afraid of getting in trouble. Do the right thing because you know I'm sovereign. And I've put someone in authority over your life. So when you rebel against them, you're rebelling against me. And again, this is to be our attitude. Had Hillary been brought in or whether it's you know, Barack now or Trump in the future, let's continue to go on. And then we're going to get real practical here. Verse 6. This is also why you pay taxes for the authority of, uh, I'm sorry, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And so we pay taxes, we owe, we give revenue, we owe, but these last two are so important. We give respect and we give honor. 
to the president now and to our president-elect. We give them, like I said earlier, whether they've earned that respect and honor or not, this is what we're called to do. This is what our lives are supposed to look like when it comes to being followers of Jesus. And I think one of the best ways we can honor and respect Barack Obama right now and Donald Trump in the future is in what we see Paul say to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2. He says this, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those in authority. We need to be praying for our current president and our president-elect. We need to begin praying. Now, some of you guys are like, okay, I can see how that might make a difference in their lives, but please hear me on this, right? If you don't catch anything, catch this. You can go to sleep after I make this statement, all right? If you don't catch anything, catch this. Praying for our president will hopefully change his heart, but this is what's so important, and we discover this in these verses. It will also change our hearts. Some of you guys came in and you were hurt. You are fearful. You are angry. Some of you guys have spent the last eight years hurt, fearful, and angry maybe of of our current president. Some of you are fearful and angry about our next one. And I'm telling you that as you pray for him, not only may his heart be changed, but ours will. How do I know that? Well, because this verse tells us to, to pray for kings and all authority, and then look at the next word and the next verse. Look at this, in the next half of the verse. You got that, Chris? That, that word, that, is so important. You know why? Because it just told us, Paul just told us, pray for them, and then here comes this word, that. In other words, so that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. In other words, if we pray for our leaders... That's how we'll live. If we pray for our leaders, then we will live peaceful and quiet. And quiet doesn't mean we can't ever say what we're feeling. It just means the way we say it is honorable and respectful. But it's going to take us praying for our leaders to be able to live those kinds of lives. And so I just want to ask you guys, as you've been working through everything in the last week, as everything that's happened has happened, are you living those kinds of lives? Or are we like freaking out on each other? And are we at each other and we're ripping each other apart? And especially for those of us, even in the room, who are happy with what happened on Tuesday, right? Maybe some of us in the room would say, well, I'm, li- I'm not happy, so I'm going to live a, you know, a non-peaceful, non-godly life here. What about those of us who are happy in the room too that, that might say, yeah, but I just really want to get at all those people who disagree. I want to get all those people who voted for somebody else. This is a call for every single one of us. And and if you're a follower of Jesus, please hear me on this, man. This is the heart of what we're talking about tonight. The peoples in your, the peoples, wow. The people in your schools and your offices and your neighborhoods, they are looking for any little reason to disqualify you and I as followers of Jesus. And hear me on this. This is not something little. What we're going through right now is something huge with tremendous emotion attached to it, with people's fear attached to it. Many have been afraid under Barack Obama, and then now new people are afraid under Donald Trump. Many of the the camps almost switched. Those who have been fearful now about maybe religious rights or whatever, that we have new people afraid of what Donald Trump might do with some of the other people here in the room. We have differing opinions here under this roof. And the important thing is that you and I say, okay, I have to realize that the people around me are watching everything I do and listening to everything I say, 
And if I am so loud about my politics, this huge divisive issue, then am I going to win anybody to Jesus? That's what it all comes down to. That's the goal of your life. The goal of your life, like I shared with you a few months ago, is not to get people to be Democrat, Republican, conservative, libertarian. The goal of your life is to get people to love the same Savior you love. And for some of us, our politics are so loud, no one will ever hear our message. Some of us will walk up to our friends a few weeks before December 18th with our Christmas invitation and hand them that invitation, and they'll be like, I want nothing to do with your Savior. I remember how you acted around the time of the election. I remembered how you Christians were at each other around the time of the election. Why would I want to walk in that room? What did somebody pretty important once say? I think his name was Jesus. He said, They're going to know you're my followers by what? How well you argue your political rights. No. How well you love each other, each other. The Democrats loving the Republicans in the room, loving the conservatives in the room, loving the libertarians in the room. That is the highest calling. That's what we're supposed to be known for. Does anybody remember when you were little and you'd be out on your front lawn and you'd be fighting with your brother and sister out there and your mom would come out and be like, shut up, the neighbors are watching. Guys recall that? Right? That happened to all of us, you know? Guys, the neighbors are watching. Our neighbors are watching. Our coworkers are watching. Our friends are watching. They are seeing how we're responding right now. And if you're happy about the election and you are rubbing that in people's faces, that doesn't look like Jesus. And if you're unhappy about the election and you're barking at everybody you can find, that doesn't look like Jesus. You and I have to take a new approach. So yesterday, I'm in Walmart. I prayed before I went for protection and safety, and then no one would see me in there. I'm in there, and all of a sudden I bump into my literal neighbor, the guy who lives two houses away from me. And we're talking about the Jets. We're crying together. And he goes, he goes oh, what's that thing you guys are doing at your church where you're collecting all those boxes for people? And I was a little bit freaked out. I'm like, how do you know about this? And he goes, oh, I saw on Facebook that you guys are doing this. You had all those people together. That's so cool. Guys, my literal neighbor is watching me. My literal neighbor had the potential to hear two messages this week. You know what the first one was? My political beliefs. I'm so glad I didn't put one up. I'm so glad instead my neighbor, who I don't know what he believes politically, heard hey, we're getting our church together and we're going to pack boxes and we're going to send them all around the world to share the hope of Jesus. And you know what? My neighbor came this morning and dropped off four bags of toys to be a part of it. Why? Because by his grace, by God's grace, the Jesus was louder than the politics. And that made the difference in his life. Some of us need to apologize to some people if we want the loudest thing about us to be Jesus. Some of us need to go on Facebook. And I didn't look on Facebook at anybody's post trying to figure out who did what or said, well, I'm not singling anybody out tonight. But some of us need to get on there and delete some stuff, delete some comments, have some conversations, direct message some people. I'm so sorry. That was not at all how I should have handled myself. There's so much more at stake right now. Think about it this way. You and I one day are standing in heaven with Jesus. In that moment, does it matter if Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton got elected if your neighbors and your coworkers aren't standing there with you? No. 
We've got to get our priorities straight here again. We've got to, instead of trying to defend our political views right now, we have to realize how can we run to those who are fearful. There was a great article on Desiring God this week about all the people in our country right now who are fearful about what Donald Trump might do. How do we love those people well? How do we reach out to them instead of try to argue with them? How do we try to eliminate their fears? How do we pray for them? How do we get in the conversation with them and show them the love of Christ? Now, you might be saying, okay, Doug, I hear we should be praying, and then that's going to lead to living these kind of lives where we're peaceful and quiet and godly and holy. But why does any of that even matter? What's the point? Well, look what Paul says will happen. Verse 3. When we pray and we live good, holy lives, this is good and pleases God our Savior. Verse 4, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's why this is so important. Because when you and I are praying for our president, both present and future, hopefully his heart's changed. Our hearts will be changed. We'll live the way God's called us to live. And when we do, people will be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That is the greatest goal of our lives. This is so incredibly important. So let me give you a couple tests to take, and I want you to analyze your own heart here. Test number one. In the five days since Donald Trump's been elected, have you criticized or prayed for him more? Let me give you another test. In the five days since the election, have you gloated more or prayed for Donald Trump more, for those of you who maybe voted for him. Give you another test. In the eight years Barack Obama has been the president, have you prayed for him more or criticized him more? Have you prayed for him more or gloated about him more? You see, this is to be the heart behind your and my interaction when it comes to praying for those who need God in our offices. Let me ask you another question, and I'm going to kind of read this one because it's a little detailed here, but would you say that you've handled yourself, whether your candidate won or lost, in a way that'd be characterized by peaceful, quiet, godly, and holy since the election? Or again, do you need to maybe go delete some posts and apologize to some people? You know, there's this thing, it's called face-to-face talking. It's really old school, but it's very powerful. Uh, Maybe we need to say, bye-bye to social media for a little while until everything calms down a little bit. And we just have some face-to-face conversations. Because I don't know about you, I have very different conversations with people when it's face-to-face than I do when I'm staring at a computer screen. Because I can see fear in someone's eye who might disagree with me. I can see hurt or pain in someone's eye who might disagree with me when I'm there talking with them in the room. And so what I want you guys to see is that we need to be praying for our candidates. We need to be praying for our elected president and our current president. And when we do, that prayer will hopefully change him, but also change us to live peaceful, quiet, godly, holy lives, and people will come to Christ. And this is all possible because God is sovereign over the election. It's all possible. Some of you are here tonight saying, Doug, I don't care. I don't like our current president. I'm not going to pray for him. Well, then... Our hearts are rebelling against the authority above Barack Obama, which is God. I don't care. I don't like Donald Trump. No matter what, he's not my president. I will never. Okay, well then, we're rebelling not against Donald Trump, but against the authority who's over Donald Trump called God. 
Because God is sovereign over the election. And maybe it doesn't always make sense to us, but one day we will see the master plan that God has because everything he does is for our good in one way or another. Can you guys just think for a second? Some of you guys are like, I just can't imagine God bringing good out of this or that. Can you just imagine the perspective of an angel while Jesus was being crucified? Like just think about an angel in heaven must be standing there you're running to God the Father going, what are you doing? How can this be good? And again, I think God just saying, just give me a few days. You'll see how this is good. And I think that might be, for some of us here in the room tonight, that might be a little bit fearful. I think that God might be saying the same thing. Just give me some time. You'll see how this is good. And so we got to be praying for our president every day. He's going to be changing his heart, changing our heart. And we're going to find that God is going to begin to draw some people around us to himself as we live these lives, as that is the loudest thing about us. Kelly told me this morning this story about Abraham Lincoln. When he was running for president, he, he had an enemy, and the enemy took out a full-page ad in all the newspapers that said all the reasons that Abraham Lincoln should not be elected as our president. And so obviously fast forward a little bit, and Abraham Lincoln was elected as president, Abraham Lincoln reached out to the guy who took out those ads and made him part of his cabinet. Somebody said, Abraham Lincoln, what are you doing? Why would you do that? He said, he's the best man for the job. If I hadn't done it, the country would have suffered because of it. Fast forward a little bit more. Abraham Lincoln is assassinated, right? Do you know who was standing over his dead body saying, he is the greatest man I've ever met? It was the man who had originally taken out the ad against him. Abraham Lincoln could have pushed him away. He could have shut him up. He could have argued with him. Instead, he loved him, and he reached out to him, and he won him over. And I'm telling you that as followers of Jesus, the answer here and now is not bark and be loud and argue and criticize and defy. It is love well. It is look to see how can I be praying? How can I bring in hope? How can I be bringing unity to a divided nation because God wants to be at work. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you've been hearing me talk about Jesus' death on the cross throughout the message. And he so badly wants you to have a relationship with him. He died in your place to remove your sin into my sin. And I'm gonna give you an opportunity in just a minute to put your trust in him him if you'd like. But for those of us in the room who are already Christians, I wanna just encourage you guys to be praying daily for both our current and our president-elect. Allow God to work in his heart and in ours. And we're going to continue this series. Next week, I'm not speaking. Pastor Ravone's doing the morning. Andrew will be doing the night. We'll be back the following two weeks continuing this series. It's not going to be about politics, so everyone can take a deep breath. It's going to be about how very frequently you and I are zoomed in on other things and making a mess of life. And when we zoom out and see things from God's perspective, everything changes. But for now, what I want you to walk away with is God is sovereign over the election. Now let's live like it. Let's pray. God, we need you. This is, I think, a crucial time in our country. And God, we just cry out to you for help. And God, we pray that you will be with us, each of us, God. That you'll help us to live the godly, holy lives you've called us to live, whether we're happy or unhappy with our current or our next president. And God, we pray that you will do what only you can do in his heart and in ours. And that, God, the loudest thing about us will be our love for you. God, we thank you for all you've done for us. 
If you're a Christian, would you just pray about that for a minute? Would you just be asking God to soften your heart, to live the way he's called you to live, to honor God by honoring our current president and our president-elect, and be praying for him, and allow God to do that work in your heart that many would come to know Jesus through our lives. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to put your trust in him. So I encourage you just to pray something like this, just quietly to God. Jesus, please forgive me for my sin. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again and showing me how good you are. Please make yourself so real to me and let this relationship with you be so alive in your name.